Welcome, welcome. Welcome once again to EOB Salon Talk. EOB Salon Talk is much more than salon talk. It's about conversation that actually happens in the salon. Marriages, relationship, finances, politics, just to name a few. Let's talk. Welcome, welcome. Welcome once again to EOB Salon Talk. Today's guest is very special to me. It's an educator. Her name is, would you like to introduce yourself? I sure can. I'm Marion Holly Smith. I'm a dean of students. I've been a dean for over 10 years. I'm just so grateful to be here. Thank you for having me. No, I'm grateful for your time. I know in this you know, in this season, it's mm-hmm. very difficult. Yeah. You know, and I know it's very difficult to be here, and I'm very appreciative of you being here because the conversation we're going to have is a well-needed conversation in our community. Yes, absolutely. So thank you for being here. Thank you. So I'm going to start with some light conversation, absolutely. and, you know, we met just light, and then we're going to the heavy stuff, okay. right? How you feel? I feel great. Okay, well, welcome to EOB Salon Talk. Cheers. Yes, cheers. So one of my first conversation was, um, well, question, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say much of a question, but one of the things I wanted to ask you was, once I decided to do this interview and I realized you were, t- you're a professor, mm-hmm. I like to use the word professor. Mm-hmm. One of the questions I have, why, why, why did you decide to be a teacher? So let me just take you back. I thought I was going to be a teacher mm-hmm. before, but then I started the process and I realized how hard it is, how you know, how much it takes a toll on you and how much is special. Mm-hmm. It takes a special person to do what you do. So why did you decide to be a teacher? I think that what drew me to this work has to do with, I, I'm a student of somebody who I feel like, I went to boarding school for high school, so let's go all the way back to high school. Mm-hmm. I went to boarding school for high school, and let's go a little bit back further to middle school. When I was in eighth grade, I found out that I was dyslexic. Mm-hmm. Um, always good at speaking, always good at like leading. Um, pretty decent follower in the way of like I knew who to follow, who not to follow. Um, but then I had this thing where I was dyslexic. The work was hard for me, you know. Mm-hmm. So in middle school, I would cut school come in the middle of the day, just make my own schedule. And because I was somebody who, when I was in class, I could lead the class, nobody was calling my mom and letting her know. Um, and then they were like, okay, there's something that with Mary and she doesn't want to come to school. She's not doing what she needs to do. Let's figure out what's up with her. Let's get her tested. And then I found out I was dyslexic. And um, my principals of my middle school said, how about boarding school for her? You know, she's going to need a small setting. It's either going to be boarding or Catholic school or something of that nature. So my mom was like, let's do boarding school. So I went to boarding (laughs) school in Maine, six hours away from here. Um, And my dean at my boarding school was a black man from D.C. who found his way. He was a graduate of that boarding school and just never left. And I just loved how he treated us. And us meant the students of color. Us meant the white students, because there were more white students than black students, but he treated us all the same. And I wanted to do that type of work. I wanted to be able to be a voice of reason when students are not at their best and help them to realize that there's hope. Hold on, time out. We got to ask this question. Mm-hmm. You say you are a dean of student when we mm-hmm. started the interview, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, but, before, but now you're saying you're dyslexic because for my understanding right and people watching they're like oh she's dyslexic you know oh she can never be a dean you're a dean of student absolutely you're a professor yes and you were dyslexic yes this is why i'm gonna enjoy this conversation because it's gonna you're breaking a lot of uh, of, of stereotypes yes. Yes. that we have in our community yes. that kids oh i'm dyslexic i'm adhd you know, I can't do stuff. So what, what I hear from what you're saying is that this professor helped you yes. and teach you yes. and nurture you yes. and showed you that, listen, regardless of what's going on, you mm-hmm. could be great. Yes. And now you are great. Yes. I just thought yeah, you were I'm amazing. I'm walking in my light. Yes. 
So I, I, I know I asked you before why you wanted to do be a, a teacher, but no, I get it. Mm -hmm. Because I thought if you were dyslexic, that would not be a profession mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. um, I thought if you have these disabilities, that it's called disabilities, mm -hmm. you can't be a, um, a professor yeah. because there's no way you'll be able to. So for my kids watching this that was diagnosed with those issues, mm -hmm. what I want, what would you tell them? Because yeah. I, I, I just like cut the interview yes. in the middle because right. I want to hear that because, you know, I've had friends that says I'm dyslexic so I can't do much. Right. But you just, you just like threw the, 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 yeah. the thing in the glass and break it and, and break said, it yeah, out. you could be whatever you want to be. So Absolutely. can you explain that? I think that the biggest thing about when you have a learning difference or a mm. learning disability is to understand, be okay with that, you know, that I am different and there is someone who told me that I'm different. But along with this difference, like I said before, it's like I always was a leader, you know, and I think mm. that being dyslexic, other things are amplified in you. So speaking in front of people, not hard for me, but it's hard for the person who's getting straight A's, right? They can't, they can't do what I'm doing. But I found ways to be able to shine even if I wasn't able to do the work that other people were doing. And I wouldn't say I wasn't able to do it. It took me a longer time. And that's what stops people from going after their best is because the time that it takes was, it might take you a half an hour to write something and it takes me about two hours to write it, but I have to get committed to it and I have to have someone look it over. So you have to find your village and the people who will support you and be honest. But can I say this? I'm going to ask this question or just make a statement. I'm not sure which it is. You were, I would think, privileged mm -hmm. to be able to have the people that were there to support yes. you. How do we, as a people, support these kids in, in say, this community that really don't have Mm -hmm. the resources yeah that's that's one of my struggles yeah. how do I support these kids with no resources that someone is writing a prescription saying they're dyslexic mm -hmm. someone is right oh they season three they told me to be real right so we gonna talk <laughs> well, let's it, do right? it let's do it yeah so they they write a prescription saying these kids are dyslexic or the other words right. and a b c d d right. they gave right. to the kids how can we help the kids as a professor? How do we motivate these kids? How do we encourage these kids? Mm -hmm. in, in your opinion, that you've lived it. Yeah. Oh my God, you've lived it. Yeah. yeah. So now you're in this community. How do we help these kids? I think that you're honest with them. There's nothing. I will be dyslexic for the rest of my life. You know, there will nothing will change about that. But how I manage it and how I ask for help, I think that is how you manage it of being honest. You know, don't lie to them. Let them know what's going on. Let them know that, yeah, it may take you a longer time, but what you produce will be amazing. You've got to speak life into children. And okay. I think that's the piece with any situation. If you're not speaking life over children, they know. And that's also why I do this work is because kids are honest. They will tell you the truth. They know when you're BSing them. They know when you're telling them the truth. Um, and they appreciate that. So I think that my village is people who are honest with me and know how to give me the truth and love me in the same manner. And I think that is the biggest piece. When you don't love on children and you don't speak life over them, then how do you expect them to grow? But, but let, let, me, let me dive a little bit deeper mm -hmm. in, the, in, the, in the thing, right? There's a lot of kids that don't have people speaking life into them. Mm -hmm. And this is why I love teachers. Yep. Because I do believe you guys do a job that you're not really compensated for. Yeah. It has to be a love language for you yeah. guys. And that's yeah. a word I use, mm -hmm. and I, I yes. don't use it light, yes. lightly. I'm a hairstylist, mm -hmm. right? And w before we dis I decided to have this conversation with you, I, a lot of my clients are teachers. And the struggles they go through and yeah. the stuff, yeah. like you sit at the chair and you hear the conversation they're having mm -hmm. about, oh my God, this, ki this kid came to school, like we were saying yeah. before, with no socks. Yeah. This kid came to school and the mom don't care. Mm -hmm. What can I do as a community person? Oh, wait, is it a community thing or is it a parent thing or is it a teacher thing and then also i'm mm -hmm. asking you 10 questions in one because it. i'm so excited <laughs> i receive it are all kids dyslexic that they say is dyslexic or some people are just active and they put you know <laughs> i think that dyslexia being having dyslexia that 
I do think that there are a lot of children who are dyslexic. Okay, how do we um, help them? I think that with how do you help them is, first you can't be in denial about there's something going on with your child. Okay. And that, that is the biggest thing. Because we, people of color, we don't want something to be wrong. Yeah, we babies. want it to be. We don't want it. We don't want a label. Um, but I think that once you figure out what's going on right. and you get out of your own way as a parent, mm. that's the biggest thing. You got to get out of your own way as a parent and understand that this child deserves more. We always say, I'm a mom, and I always say I want my children to be better than me, right? So that means that I got to do things that I didn't do for myself. You know, I have to have conversations I didn't want to have in order to help them to be great. And I, when you deal with yourself, then you're able to deal with other people. When you're loving on yourself, then you're able to love other people. And I think that's important. You have to be able to do the things you wouldn't normally do in order to help your children to be great. Wow. So as a dean and student, right, you deal with all kind, mm -hmm. all demographic, all kind of students, yeah. right? And then you have your own kids. Yeah. And so how do you kind of deal with the issues at school, mm -hmm. then go home and deal with that. Because the issue I see here, like when I have conversation with, um, say, educators, yeah. there's an issue with shutting it off. Mm -hmm. So they come to me, and they left school like an hour ago. Yeah. But they still are struggling with turning right. it off. So what if this, this wasn't their stop? Or... Maybe the nail salon wasn't your stop where right. you could vent. Like right. the hair salon, I feel, is a place to vent. Yeah. How do you recommend they shut that off? Right. As a, or how do you shut it I off? I think that how I shut it off, it all matters the way you work, too, the environment that mm. you work in. You know, it's hard to shut things off when you're unhappy when you're at work. And it doesn't mean that the kids oh. are making you unhappy. It could be the administration that's making you unhappy. It could just be the politics that are making you unhappy. No pay. But we are not <coughs> there, right? The no pay that mm -hmm. you're not, you're, you're working all hard and you're not getting paid what you think you should be paid. But when you look at those children and you be the consistent force in their life and know that you did your best. That's all. Once I saw it, I said, I did my best for today and I'll deal with whatever I need to deal with tomorrow. That helped me. And you really got to mean, I did my best for that. And when you know you haven't done your best, then you got to deal with yourself on that one. But if you've done your best, that's all you can do. Because how am I going to keep on carrying and carrying and then I take it home and have no patience with my children? Mm. I can't do that. But I have done that. Let me be honest. It's not. Of this course. is, I have done that and said, okay, I can't work in this place anymore right. because I'm coming home and I have no patience for my six-year-old. I have no patience for my daughter. I have to have patience for them because they deserve that too. You know, and my biggest fear, let me say this. My biggest fear when I had my son was that one day he'll turn to me and say, you love your students more than you love me, mommy. Ooh. You know? You don't want to hear that you love somebody else more than you love me. And I work very hard to make sure that Timothy knows that the love I have for you is, is powerful. It's, it, you can't take that away. But I am going to love on other people's children. And I want you, Timothy, to be Darn. able to love on other people, too. And know that when you're telling people that you love them, I never look at you and be like, but do you love me, too? It's never a question. I want you to be able to give love to everyone you come across. So I ask you these questions, and I ask you just for my audience. So I want to ask you this. After speaking with you, so I was a mess. <laughs> I'm always a mess. Because you said something that you probably didn't think that would affect me. Mm -hmm. You have a son, yes. and you have a daughter, right? Yes. But when you say to me, adopted, yeah my daughter, I was done. You know why? I'm <laughs> going to tell you. Because as a teacher, mm -hmm. someone that went through dyslexia, yeah. as a person that, you know, I'm a person that deals with, you know, I have a foundation that deals with homeless foster care yeah. kids, and for a person to be, be a professor, a teacher, yeah. and then still helpless, love, mm -hmm. just... Just love, just adopt a person, just mm -hmm. give them unconditional love. Because right. for you to be an adopted parent, you yeah. have to be a, per a person that just love. Yeah. So when I ask you, why did you become a teacher? I didn't need to ask you that. Mm -hmm. I ask you just for my audience. Right. Because I understand you became a teacher because you just love children. Yes. You love giving back. Yes. And I could have this conversation with you forever. Um. And I wanted to have this conversation because you adopted a child. Mm -hmm. You 
birth a child. So how do you keep the, I'm just asking this Mm -hmm. for my audience because I could tell. So how do you keep it different? Like, so I've been adopted. Yes. Most people don't know that. Mm. So I've really been adopted, and I, I, but I do know my birth mom. Yeah. But I do love my adopted family. These are stuffed in season three. Mm-hmm. They're going to learn about me. Lord, Lord I want to say it. But I started my foundation because it's, it's everything I was. Mm. Right? And for a person to adopt a child mm-hmm. that they didn't give birth to, it's unconditional. But you didn't adopt a child, and you adopt a whole classroom. <laughs> what made you? Why? Can why? I just ask you why? Absolutely. Why? So the way that I got my daughter, she's 21 now. She, um, We got her when she was about 16, and mm. that came about, you know, and yeah, let's take a mm to that, right? Because nobody wants a teenager. Wait. Mm. Right? 16, you already halfway adult. You already in your ways. You already have your way of life, and... I would say she wasn't somebody who, who, who didn't want the love. It was never a fight to love her. She allowed mm. me to love her, you know, and I think that was the biggest thing. She allowed me to love her, and she loved me back. Um, and I loved her mother. Let's talk about that. I loved her mother. I loved her family. And it wasn't a thing that we knew, and we became in a partnership with her mom, that wow. she would be best with us at this moment of time. Not that we're taking her away from you, but you would be best with me and my husband and Timothy at this moment of time. And let's have this blended family that's going on. And I had to, don't get me wrong, I had to constantly remind and let her mother know she is who she is because of the 16 years she had with you. She's amazing because of the 16 years she had with you. However, I'm going to help her to be even more great. We're going to work on her to help her to make sure she gets into college, to make sure she does all the things that you know that we want her to do, all the things that make kids better than us, right? And her mother was at first a little hesitant, mm. but I made her go and have those conversations with her mom and let her know what she needed in order for her daughter to be at her best. Wow. So I think that partnership and saying, telling her mother that you're not less than because we're taking her in. We're taking, we're taking you and the family in. We just want to have her live in the house with us right now. Uh-huh. And I think that was it. It was the biggest piece is that she allowed me to love her. And she loved me back. Oof. This is this was supposed to be a life This was supposed to be a tissue, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, like I'm just driving it. Because can I say thank you? You're welcome. Because most people don't understand that sometimes all a kid need is just love. That's it. And just it, it doesn't matter their issues or what they're going through. And I'm talking to you and I'm like, why am I crying? I'm a mess today, right? I said on season three I was never going to cry. Thank you. See, you did that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> welcome to season three. <laughs> But season three, what I learned through doing this podcast is that you have to be real. You have to be real with yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to let your audience know who you are and where you, you know, you've been through. And when I saw that, I breathed for a lot Mm -hmm. because I have about 50 questions to ask Mm you written here. But that to me was, was like, it, it tugged at my heart because I do work with foster care and homeless kids. Mm -hmm. And after a certain age, people don't want to be bothered. Mm-hmm. People don't want to give them the love they need. Yeah. And people say, oh, they're going to be rude. They're going to be bad. And we turn, we turn our, our back on the kids that could be so great yeah. only because they needed some love. So that really, really tear me up. So I, I got to turn away from that. <laughs> um, I got to turn away from that a little bit. But... Let me ask a couple of questions. This because this this question I'm about to ask is quite important. Yes. So as a professor, so as a dean of students, yes. I have to ask that because of the season we're in. Mm-hmm. How do you deal? I'm gonna ask you some here question too, just okay. so you know. So just be prepared for them I'm here ready. question. <laughs> How do you deal with kids in COVID? Mm-hmm. These kids are going up and down. They're having um, classes online. Yeah. 
and and you have attention deficit disorder, mm -hmm. you can't sit still. You can't. How do you deal with those kids? And I'm gonna ask you a two part question. Just shoot. Okay. It's not only the kids that's dealing with that. Nope. The parents yes. are. The teachers are dealing yes. with it. So how do you deal with that? I think that we got to go back and think about when I was learning, my, my degree is not in education. I was a journalism and a media studies major. So I think that, ah. yeah, so that's how dyslexic, didn't even go to school for education. <laughs> now I'm in education, right? Hey, um, yeah. I think, hey, we here for it. Um, how do you deal with it? I think what I learned when I got into education is that home is your primary classroom, you know? Home is your primary classroom. And it's nice to say that until you get into a pandemic and home literally is your primary classroom, right? Because mm. you're home now. Yeah. You're home. I had parents calling me at, I changed schools in, in pandemic. So coming kind of coming out of pandemic, mm. I started to work at another place. So I used to work at this middle school and I had a parent who, she had about six kids and she Lord. called me and she said, you know, I'm struggling. I don't even know how to take all six of my kids to the grocery store at the same time. And at first you could say, like, what do you mean you don't know how to take all these six of your kids to the grocery store at the same time? Like, they're, they're big kids. They're, you got a couple of small ones, but they're big. But she never had to take all of her children to the grocery store at the same time. She used to go to the grocery store when they were in school. Mm. That's just what it is. So that's nothing that she had to do. So how do you deal with it is that you have to realize what's going in your classroom at home. Kids got to see really what happens at home when they were at school from 745 to three or four o'clock, they didn't see what was going on at home. And now they're seeing what's going on at home and there's nothing to hide. So there's a truth that's been unfolded in people's household. And it doesn't mean it's the people who, who don't have as much or as the middle, it's everybody got to see the truth in their household mm -hmm. and now have to live with what they've learned. But do you think that truth affect them in a negative or a positive way or both? Both, absolutely mm. both. You could live in a penthouse on Madison Avenue and it still affected you the same way that it affected you if you lived in mm -hmm. polo grounds right. and the projects. You saw a sense of truth that you didn't get to see when mm -hmm. you were other places. Parents had to deal with their own disabilities when it came to learning because you were the teacher at home trying to do the work with them or not trying to do the work with them because you don't want your children to know that you're not as strong as a reader as they thought that you were. And then one of my things that I see in the salon, right, a lot of parents, <laughs> oh, they're going to kill me on this one, but a lot of parents use teachers as, I want to say babysitter, mm -hmm. but yeah, that's the word. Mm -hmm. But I think um, after the pandemic, all the teachers' should, gifts should be a little bit more mm -hmm. because I think parents really appreciate or should appreciate what a teacher did yeah. for your child yeah. in school. So with that being said, how can parents support teachers? Mm -hmm. Because I've seen and I've listened to conversation, and what I find is that a lot of parents, they just leave it on the kids. Yeah or vice versa. How can um, the teachers and the parents support each other to get the best out of this job? Because that's the yeah. goal. I think that one, teachers have to realize that when you are speaking about a student in your class, you my mindset is always, I'm talking about the most important thing in that person's life. Mm. Regardless if I believe that or not, I'm gonna tell myself that, that this child is the most important thing in that parent's life. And if you have that mindset of thinking that that's the most important thing, you will be careful on how you speak about that person, right? Because they're important to that Facts, other person. Yeah. But if you go into a conversation thinking that the mother's unfit or assuming that the father's not around or have these assumptions, you're going to speak with those assumptions and people are going to feel it. But if you go into the conversation that this is the most important thing in this person's mm -hmm. life, now we're in partnership because we're in agreement. You know? Right. I'm going to assume that you had a conversation with your child. I'm always making assumptions, positive assumptions when I'm talking to a parent. So if I'm calling a parent and I'm talking to them about your student being late on a consistent basis, I'm gonna assume that you're getting your child up, but something's happening in between. So I'm gonna say, I know that you guys, you get this, your student up, I know that you have these routines, and then I allow the parent to correct me and say, no, they get themselves up. Or no, they don't, you know, so that this gives them an opening to be able to have that communication. Now, on the parent side, 
you have to feel like you're in partnership with the teacher, that the right. teacher cares about your child. So you ask the questions when they're saying things that are negative or challenging about your child. I would stop a, a teacher and say, tell me two things that you think is great about my, my son or daughter and wait for it. Now, if that person can't tell me two things that is great about my son and daughter, now we need to talk about this in a different way because you, you don't see my child's greatness. Tell me two things that you think is great about my son or daughter. Mm -hmm. And if they cannot do it, then now it's a different type of conversation because you can't tell me what my child is struggling with if you can never see anything great in them. So let me ask you, uh, as a partnership, so bas basically what I heard from you is that, and correct me, mm -hmm is that parents and teacher need to be in partnership. Absolutely. We're not fighting against each no, other. We need to be in partnership in, in helping your kids. What, what has been the biggest struggle you see mm -hmm. um, with parents and teachers? I think the biggest struggle is that or, when one standard is higher than the other, right? Mm. So when the teacher's standard for the child may be higher than the parent's standard for the child, or the parent's standard may be higher than the teacher's standard for a child, we all have standards, so we got to find in the middle. I might be seeing your students show up in one way in school that they show up very differently at home. Mm -hmm. And it could be good. It could be challenging. Either one. Note that I'm not using bad because I don't think kids are bad. Okay. I think they have challenges. I think mm -hmm. they do things that's not their best. But there's nothing bad about you. You're good at your core. You're great. You just Everybody's have, great. Everybody has greatness at their core. You just do some things that are not your best. Facts. Right? So I think that that's the piece that of understanding where's the standard that we have for this person that we're speaking about and how can we help them meet that? So with that standard, I shouldn't say with that standard, but let me ask this question in a different way. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a difference between public school mm -hmm. kids, <laughs> Lord help me, and private school kids? Absolutely. Because I have my view on it, and I'm going to speak it, but I'm not, I'm not knowledgeable. Okay. But um, So let me get it from you. Let me not say nothing and get it from you. I think there is a difference between the two, and I think that the difference, one point blank, one, you're paying to go to, go to somebody's institution, right, somebody's school, and the other, you're getting it for free. And I think that when you get things for free, you get things for free. It depends mm -hmm. on... Now you're working off of the standards of what this public school stands for, what this charter school stands for, what they say they're going to do for my child. At this private school, you have the same thing. Like, yeah, they believe in this. They believe in a progressive education. And there's a different type of conversation when you're calling to find out if you're doing what you said you were going to do. Now, I'm paying you $52,000 for my child to go here. I mm -hmm. expect you. Now we're, you're working for me. <laughs> so it's a sense of like, now you're working for me. And that's the piece that's important of understanding that I'm paying this money for my child to go here. So there's an expectation that they show up. There's an expectation that they're learning. There's an expectation they have these experiences. But when you're in these public schools or these charter schools, there's a sense of gratefulness, especially when it comes to a charter school, that they go into communities and that the communities are grateful to have something different, right? And sometimes when we get grateful, we forget to ask the questions and make sure that sure. it's worth it. And sometimes we don't even know what the questions are because you've never experienced something like this. The building is better. The books are sharper. So you but, just think that's enough, but they deserve so much more. Okay. But I want to ask this question. And it may not be a popular question. I pay a lot of taxes. Mm -hmm. So in my opinion, I have no kids in school, mm -hmm. but I do pay a lot of taxes. So I believe if you're a homeowner paying a lot of taxes for kids to go to public school, mm -hmm. right? Um, correct me if I'm wrong, that's going to help with the public school yeah. and the kids going in public school. Shouldn't I have the, the same expectation of my child when I'm paying a student, um, what's the, the head of the school that, um, thing again? The principal. Not the principal, because he's over everything. Oh, Lord. Nope. When you have the um, school board and the... The, um, the board of trustees. Board of trustees yeah. and all of these people making decisions for my yes. child. Yes. Don't you think as parents, these parents should be holding these um, kids, these Absolutely. people responsible? Because I'm paying just as much... <clears throat> through my taxes. In my, in, my, yeah. in my opinion, through my taxes. And, and forgive me for my ignorance, but I'm just saying. I could yes. be wrong. Yes. Shouldn't they have the same expectations, though? Absolutely. And I think it takes you going to ask those questions. The thing is, is that sometimes parents just don't know what to ask. 
And that's the piece. Like, what am I supposed to be asking these people when I'm just grateful that they're getting a better education? I'm just grateful that they get to be in school from 7.45 to 4 o'clock and their uniforms are sharp and their mm. books are new and their book bags match and all these great things. And they have these teachers who have been places and done things and graduated from these wonderful universities and colleges, right? And people just get really grateful in a place that they don't ask the questions. The questions of like, okay, but how many of your children are, you say that 95% of your students go to college, but how many of them finish? And in that order. Now, that's my point, because, for, and, and how many of them got to college, and, and the kids that did not get to college, why didn't they get why to college? Because they? they didn't get to college because they couldn't do the work. Nope. Sometimes they didn't get to college because, oh, calm down, Claudette, because they didn't fill the proper paperwork yeah. out. They didn't have people to help yeah. them with the paperwork. Because you have teachers going into school and looking at, oh, I'm getting paid, so I sit here till my my time is over and go, mm -hmm. that kid is just bad, yeah. or that kid is just yeah. And I appreciate you mm -hmm. for what you do because when we spoke on the phone, mm -hmm. you had none of that. Nope. Your whole thought process was each kid deserve yes. love. Yes. Each kid deserves to be treated individually. Mm -hmm. And that's the issue we have, even in the world now, in the community we, have, we live in now. You know, every kid don't learn the same. Mm -hmm. So during COVID, my child may be great on the computer, but yeah. his child may not be great on the computer. Absolutely. The, the, the um, superintendent is saying all the students need to be online, but yeah. they're not great. So what assistance were provided for them? Who cares about yeah. that? So these are the things that, and I'm, I'm just, calm down. I know it's not have nothing to do with you because you, you lead in love mm -hmm. and I love that. But these are my issues and my yeah. struggles that I see that walks into the salon a lot of time yeah. is that kids, one kid came in during COVID and the kid was crying at the door. I said, are you okay? Am I pulling in here? Mm -hmm. She said, no, I just have an exam and I have no idea. I don't even know how to... I don't know how to read mm -hmm. it or explain that. Mm -hmm. I, I don't understand it. Mm -hmm. So they're getting tests. They're getting stuff that they yeah. have no knowledge of. Yeah. Because someone put a book and say, study that yeah. or read that. Yeah. And yeah. that's what they did, but it didn't work. Yeah. Because they weren't great at it. Mm -hmm. And there was no resources or people weren't helping them to access the resources that were present. Mm -hmm. You know, I gave a couple of kids iPads. Mm -hmm. But the school district provided iPads and computers. Why why were these kids left out? Right. You know what I mean? So these are oh, I ain't gonna get that real now they go. But these were the reasons. Yeah. These were the issues I was having. Yeah. Like, okay, all kids don't learn the same. No, what about the kids with disability? Yes. Can they uh, is there you know, I don't know, were there special stuff? Yes. So with kids with disabilities there were there were Zooms where there, you know, if they had occupational therapists, and okay. occupational therapists would get on the Zoom, you know. But then you got to think about the classroom that the student is zooming in from, which is their home, you know. So I'm in a room, and it could be two. My two other siblings are also in this room working on uh. the computer, right? Or I'm embarrassed, and nobody in the house knew I got occupational therapy, and now everyone knows, you know? So it could be so many different things that I don't have a quiet space in order to have yeah, this, yeah. this done, right? So I think that the help was still there. I think people needed to get creative in ways that they didn't think they had to get creative in because nobody knew we were going into this pandemic, Jeez. and everybody swore they knew what was know how to educate a child, but to educate a child, you really gotta be flexible, right? So figuring out how to give them what they need even when you can't touch them, when you can't be there and say, all right, like, get it together, here we go, when you can't see them in the way that you want to see them and be next to them the way you want to be next to them, you got to do it through a screen. And that's where that love piece comes in because if I know that you love me, I'm going to do for you because I know mm. that you love me and you're consistent and that you're there for me. So that is, the, the things were there. It's just how you, the things that stopped students from showing up the way we wanted them to show up had much to do with their environment around them. I 100% agree with you with that, but what can we do to change? <laughs> what can we do? The 
Because I do know kids in certain areas mm-hmm. and certain, it's different. So yeah. I don't know. What can we do to change that? Um, I'll say love. I'll start with yeah. that. Because you taught me that. Yeah. Um, as a female, we're going to get on that. Mm-hmm. That's another question. But I, what can we do? What can we do to change that? Mm-hmm. I think that first got to know that it was a problem. You know, in order to change anything, you got to realize it's a problem. Nobody's going to change anything if they're making excuses saying Mm -hmm. it wasn't a problem. Um, I think that to change the way that we speak to kids and see children has much to do with how you're showing up in your own life. I always bring it back to, like, what you're doing in your own life. If you say that you're less than in your own life or you don't feel fulfilled in your own life when you leave this school building or when you turn off that Zoom screen... Or if you're struggling yourself, it's very hard for you to show up in your unique way mm-hmm. when it comes to helping other people. I'm not saying you cannot do it. There are people who do it very well, who are excellent educators and have shitty lives. <laughs> you know, like. And but I think it's not that. only the educators that need to show up that way. I really do think parents need to show up that way. And I'm oh, going to tell you a little story mm-hmm. why I do believe that. So this is salon talk, right? We're mm-hmm. going to talk a little here. I have a young lady that came in to get their hair done, Mm -hmm. and she was so un... I love your hair, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. She was so unhappy with her hair, and it was similar to yours, Mm -hmm. your texture, curl Mm -hmm. pattern. And But then when I spoke to the mother, I realized there's things that the mother was saying to this kid that made her so unhappy with her hair. Yes. I I did her hair for free, and I paid her. Mm. To keep her here in her natural state and work with me. Mm. Um, I think for season three, I should really post a picture, ask permission mm-hmm. of her. She's she's older now. And show you what her hair looks like now and and the difference. Mm-hmm. See, I'm a hairstylist, but mm-hmm. as a hairstylist, I look at when we do hair, I, I always say I'm a therapist. Mm-hmm. Because client comes in like, once her hair is done, it's like, hey, yeah. So I have a, a closet back there, mm-hmm. right, with a lot of coats on it. Mm-hmm. Because once the client comes in and you change the hair, it changes their attitude, yes. it changes their behavior, yes. it changes your entire outlook yeah. on self. Yeah. So I do believe, and, and when you walk in, I love your hair. Because you. it reminded me of, you know, the love. Mm-hmm. Because to have natural hair, and that's a conversation I'm going to go in later in the season, mm-hmm. you know, Natural hair, it takes a lot mm-hmm. for it takes a lot of self confidence yeah. for in today's society for a lot of our sisters to wear their natural yeah. hair. Yeah. And I've dealt with it with women that are 10, mm-hmm. 15, 50, right. and 60. Right. You know, and the insecurity starts by going down. And I started it that way because I want to ask you this question. This being, what they call it, National Women's Month. I just think it's always yes. National Women's Absolutely. Month. Absolutely. I just think that. Just the way I think it's always National Black History Month, exactly. I'm just saying. But it's just me. <laughs> Who did you look up to mm-hmm. as a person growing up? Mm-hmm. Who was one of your role models that get you mm-hmm. to the point where you are? Because it has to be somebody. Yeah. Because you just didn't get that by yourself because I ain't right. going to be. I, right. No. It has to be somebody. And then I'll ask you the next question. Okay. But who was one of your role models that really get you that to be really this confident, mm-hmm. beautiful sister you are? I think. Thank you for that. Um, it would be my mom. And mm-hmm. I want to say that. You know, in a way of, it wasn't always my mother, but it's my mother. And I think that it's my mom because she's a person who taught me how to ask for help. She was somebody who, she struggled. She struggled with raising us in a way of finance. You know, she never, she she was a dreamer. She was an entrepreneur. And I think that that was a struggle. But we never felt poor. We never felt less than. But she was able to... Find people to give us experiences. She was able to ask for what she needed, and she would always say, Marion, all they're going to say is yes or no. That's it. That's all someone can say to you so is yes or no. So can I thank your mom? I want to say thank you to your mom because the, the woman you are today is what uh, uh, history, um, fee, the, what is it? Woman's history. Woman history, yeah. that's what a woman should be. Yeah. Woman should be somebody that 
that love, yes. that give back, yes. that, you know, that teaches us something great. Absolutely. And you're doing that. You're molding the great minds of our students. And I think also, unfortunately, teachers are underpaid, mm -hmm. underserved, mm -hmm. and that's a community mm -hmm. that, you know, um, when you think about it, and this is how I always say, teachers teach our presidents. Mm -hmm. They teach our lawyers and mm -hmm. doctors, mm -hmm. but you're, you pay less than they do. Yeah. So sometimes I have issues with that, but that's for my for next conversation. Yeah. I, I, I really do have issues with it, but thank you for your service. Absolutely. Teachers should be thanked for their service, Absolutely. so I thank you. Thank you. But I see, I love your shirt, but thank I'm going to ask you because that may not be it. So give me a fe black female that inspire you. Mm -hmm. um, I love your shirt because she inspires me yes, too. Yes, up, man. Yeah, but give me one off. You know, it's still black history. Yes. Um, give me a, a black female that inspires you and why. A black female that inspires me. Um, hmm. And it doesn't have to be old. It could be today. Okay. And I, I'm not even going to give you somebody who's famous. I want to no. give light to somebody who's in my life that does inspire me. I have a, a friend, Jessica. We went to college together. Mm -hmm. um, and she was actually my, at Bennett, I went to Bennett College for Women in Greensboro, North Daddy. Carolina. It's HBCU. Yes, Bennett Bells, do it well. Um, <laughs> Jessica, she inspires me because she is a mom of one, two, three, four, five, five children, right? Um, and her husband recently passed away and died in a motorcycle accident. Mm. And the way that Jessica has been getting used to her new normal now that she doesn't have her husband is very inspiring to me because she is showing up for her girls and her son in a way that is just allowing them to see that struggle and death is always going to come. How you recover from death is, is the lesson in it all, right? How you remember what that person has done for you and how they showed up in your life and how you honor their memory. The way that she's doing that is inspiring to me the way that she loves on her children the way that she's allowed other people to help her through this time i think that wow. as black women we are like oh we have to be strong strong is asking for help too there you go strong is accepting the help strong is saying no thank you strong is letting somebody know that you're making me uncomfortable and that's what my mom taught me that's what i see in jessica i think that she's just like an amazing being that she has found like her groove even without her husband, that honors what they wanted for their children, but what he wanted for her, which is to continue to live and to show these children wow. that death will come, but you don't have to die with that person. Wow. You can still get reborn and, and live and continue to live your life and, and continue to love. And I think that that is a woman, a real woman, who has dealt with life in a way that's inspiring not only to her children, but to somebody like me who's supposed to be her big sister, mm. but is definitely inspired to, to be better, a better me because of that. So I want to say thank you to Jessica. We've Absolutely. never met, but you just made me, Jessica, one of my favorite person mm -hmm. because it takes a strong woman to deal with death and mm -hmm. family and handle it with courage Absolutely. and pride. And I think too on, on, on women history month, mm -hmm. that's what we need to do. Too many times we elevate or celebrate, yeah. I would say people that's been elevated Absolutely. and celebrated, right? Absolutely. What we need to do celebrated is Jessica. Yes. Jessica, we appreciate you, Absolutely. what you're doing and, and we all need to give Jessica a hug and you know, yes. Love surround on, Jessica, yes. love on Jessica. And I love you because you lead with love. Yes. And I appreciate you. Um, when we were introduced, uh, we spoke on the phone. When we were introduced, I was told a lot of stuff about mm -hmm. you, right? But I wasn't told about you. Mm. See, I don't think the person that introduced us even know you. We are like kindred spirits. Yes. Like, and we spoke, and I'm like, all right, I will talk later, girl. Mm -hmm. I will talk when I get you. Mm -hmm. And she texts me, it's like, oh, don't text me that. We got you. Yeah. Because it was so, you, you are so inspiring and so powerful. But what is one of your most powerful quotes you have? Oh, I have, I have two. Joy comes in the morning. Don't and just... my deepest fear is not that I'm inadequate, but I'm greater beyond measure. Those are my two. 
like I said, we can just spirit. <laughs> All right. So if you have to give to our young people listening, because mm-hmm. I like to always leave something for young people, yeah. then I'm going to ask you if you want to ask me a question. Don't make it too hard because I'm not great at interviews, okay. right? <laughs> but for our young people listening, right, what would be one of the question what would what would be something you would leave with our young students listening because mm-hmm. i feel like there's a lot of educators out there right mm-hmm. but there's not a lot of people that are educating mm-hmm. our children mm-hmm. and i'm gonna get a lot of slack on this but that's my belief mm-hmm. you know i stand behind the chair and i hear people complain about being in the school complain about teaching these kids yeah. but you sit here you're an educator, you foster one, you yeah. have one, yeah. you do this. Yeah. Can you just complain a little bit, though, just a little <laughs> bit? You have not complained yet. I mean, the pay is a mess. Mm-hmm. You foster a child mm-hmm. on the low pay they're paying mm-hmm. you, but you're happy doing it. Mm-hmm. And I am grateful. And if, you know, people give awards for a lot of things, but my award will go to you for Woman History Thank Month you. because I will say... It's a powerful thing for you to mold the minds mm-hmm. of our youth. One of my teachers that was very instrumental in my life was, I used to say a teacher that, um, Mr. Jones. Mm. Mr. Jones was a math teacher. Mm. Now, a lot of people don't know this about me, but I'm a little nerdy. Okay, I love it. I, I, I used to be a nerd. I'm not anymore. No, I, can't, nerd, always I can't do this math anymore. I'm a nerd. And I love math, but I realized I didn't love math as much as I thought I did. Mm-hmm. I just loved the way he taught us yes. math. Yes. I loved the way how he took the time mm-hmm. to help each student yeah. to learn it, and he would not leave until we get it. Yes, yes. Um, I think most of the students in the class get a 90, mm-hmm. and that's low. See, mm-hmm. see, I didn't accept that in my life. Mm-hmm. See, I told you I was a nerd. So 90 to me, I would go, oh, I got a 95. Yeah. That's excellent. No, it wasn't 100. No, it wasn't. So I had that, that issue. Yeah. Yeah. So Mr. Jones was a teacher, I remember, that used to spend time with us and make sure we got it. Because mm-hmm. math, most kids didn't like math. Yeah. Algebra. What is that again? We didn't like it, <laughs> but he made sure, and I felt like if he was not teaching that class, I would not have gotten yeah. algebra like that. I would have failed. I don't know if I would be doing here, because yes, you do do math in, yes, in, do. in, in salons. Yes, you, you have do. to measure how much, uh-huh. yes. There's some chemistry in there. There's now, some yeah. chemistry. Oh, my favorite you thing is chemistry. red? Hey, <laughs> you I hope she know how to do that chemistry, so it's Orange not purple. and red. <laughs> exactly. We'll have that conversation later. Hello. So the hair talk. But what made you be natural? Why um, did you become oof. natural? Have you ever had a relaxer? Yes, I have. So let's tell a story about. Okay, here we go. This is this is. Let's get a little deep. Cheers, um, by the way. Yes, cheers. Hair talk. Go. We need to cheers because mm-hmm. this is gonna be good. Um, I'm December fourteenth. Uh, pandemic. Yeah, pandemic. Oh, December fourteenth. What are we in? Twenty twenty two. So twenty twenty one. Um, I had an eptopic pregnancy and I didn't know I was pregnant. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was, so what eptopic pregnancy feels like you might have something going on. Like mm-hmm. your stomach feels like it's about to like fall out. You, it's a pain that you women know that y'all know if you've ever had one, it's, it's serious. So mm-hmm. I had this eptopic pregnancy. When I had Timothy, I was really sick with him. I had preeclampsia when I had him. So any pregnancy that I have, I most likely will be sick. Right. Um, so I found out, went to the emergency room. They were like, you got this eptopic pregnancy. Um, we have to remove the baby. There's no way of saving the baby. Fine. They did that. I'm sitting in the in the hospital, and you know I went in the way I came. I'm, it's, my hair was a mess, and my hair started falling out, mm-hmm. um, just breaking off. I did have a perm. Um, but it's pandemic, so I hadn't had a perm in a very long time. So mm-hmm. it just started breaking out. And I think it would have broke out regardless. Um, but I felt like I lost this baby, and it's time for something new. It's time to lose some other things. It's time to take some more risks in my life. So I went to my sister's house. I got out of the hospital. About a week later, I went over to my sister's house, and I said to Lexi, I was like, I want you to cut my hair. Just cut it. Let's cut it all off. So, and I wanted How long my, was your hair at that point? My point? hair was like, I guess pandemic it was Ooh, about Oh, yeah, honey, because you know. Yep, it grew out. Um, So I said, I want you to cut my hair. 
Um, and my husband is a barber, so my husband could have easily cut my hair, but I wanted my sister yeah. to cut my hair. I wanted her, us to have this bonding. So we went over to my mom's house. My mom passed about two years ago, so it was symbolic being in her house. Mm -hmm. And we we cut my hair off, and I said I want to cut it, and I want I want you to do it. And, and it's beautiful. And we did this, and this is how we got to this place. And it I love it. It is gorgeous. Thank I you. absolutely love Thank it. You. I wouldn't change a thing. I probably add color as you could tell. I want a little color. That's yeah, what girl, I'm thinking you. about. Okay. Girl, I, I got you. I yeah, I could add a little blonde. bit of tip of color. Little, little tip? Ooh, okay. don't don't get me started girl, with that color listen, now. Yeah, it's a little tip. Little tip. But yeah, I could definitely add a little color. I would definitely add a little color. I just think like short, natural hair, a little color gives it's you fun. a little. It, it gives you this. Yeah, exactly. So for the summer, that's my gift to you. I'm going to add you. some color for Thank you. Thank you. I received that. No, you're going to come. I am. Don't be receiving and not coming. <laughs> <laughs> I will be there. Yeah. But so that's how I got natural. And I love it. It's therapeutic to me. I love, I love doing my hair. I'm actually natural too by default. I'm natural because... Relaxes was giving me mm. burns and issues. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as a hairstylist, I like chains, so I could be red today. Exactly. Maybe next week I'll be blonde. Exactly. You never know. I'll be curly tomorrow. You just you never, never know. know. I may just wear my hair the other week. You just you never, never know. know. So this is what I love about being a female is that we could do that. We yes. could we could play with that. Yeah. And, you know, for Black History Month, we should bring on females that is comfortable just mm -hmm. being their self mm -hmm. like you are. You, do you have any questions for me? Easy questions? Easy questions? <laughs> uh, easy questions. No, but is there um, anything else you would like to ask yes. me? I mean, we asked you about your favorite yes. quote. We have similar quotes. Yes. Um, to who give much is given, much is required yes. is one of mine. And it's mine for a deeper reason, mm. and I can't get into it because I'm going to be balling. You're going to be balling? We ain't doing that. So okay. do you have a question? Um, when you were young, what did you want to be? <laughs> Ooh, you're supposed to give me easy questions. Listen, the second one gets a little harder. So one thing I knew when I was younger, I knew I would never work for anybody in my life. Mm. But when I was younger, my teacher told me I needed to be a teacher mm. because I was nurturing. Yeah. And then I wanted to be a doctor. Yes. But I decided the thing that I could do when I, when I, I'm tired. Yes. The thing that I could do when I'm frustrated yes. and I'm happy is making another person feel mm, beautiful. So I didn't decide, I didn't choose to be a hairstylist. It mm -hmm. chose me mm -hmm. because I really thought I was going to be a teacher because I wanted to be a teacher like Mr. Jones yes. and Miss Jones. It was a Mr. Jones and Miss Jones. Yes. So I wanted to be a teacher like them. Because I thought that's what I needed to be. Yes. But then, once you start growing older and your purpose comes in, mm -hmm. this profession chose me. Yes. I'm a hairstylist by profession because I was choosing yes. to be a hairbrush. It's the only thing I could do when I'm tired and I'm frustrated. It. Like if you say color my hair, no, I could do it. I love that. That's the only thing, but I, I couldn't. I love that. Yeah, Something so I can what, do when I'm tired. Yeah, that's Ooh, how I made my that's choice. Good. That's I made good. my choice. You know what it is? I love the feeling I get when I do a female's hair and the look. Like a person comes in and they look like oh tired mm -hmm. and down mm -hmm. and depressed. And I do their hair and they look like, oh my God, let me put some makeup yeah. on. Girl. Oh, I'm girl, about to I go out your... somewhere now. Yeah, Who's I got to go out. <laughs> it's, a self, it's a confidence builder. Mm -hmm. And it's an opportunity. So I thought me being... A hairstylist, I'm just going to style people here, but it's not. Mm -hmm. It's very therapeutic. It's, it's I'm a counselor. Mm -hmm. You know, I spoke to a young lady once. I did her hair. She was happy. She said, thank you. And for some reason, it's a spiritual thing. Because mm -hmm. I was speaking to her, and she said, she came. She said, can I talk to you in the bathroom? Mm -hmm. No. I, I was a little bit funny about that. <laughs> um, I said, is everything all right? Do you right. need me in a female situation? Right. She said, no, I just want to give you a hug. Mm. She said, I was going to leave here. This is why I'm still a mm. hairstylist. That lady, I hope she watched this podcast and remember this. Mm. She said, I was going to take my life. Mm. But after you did my hair mm. and you were saying some stuff to me that I don't remember. Yes. She said, you make me feel wanted. Yes. And you make me feel important. Yes. So I realized I had a lot to live for. Absolutely. Can you imagine 
just style, just shampooing mm -hmm. and curling mm -hmm. somebody's hair, and it gives them a purpose. Yes, okay. I never That's thought powerful. that was about that. I thought it was about making you cute. Right. You know, but for me, she's saying that. I remember I was working in New Shell at the time. Mm -hmm. And she said that, and I'm like, gosh, I can't give up on this. Yeah. I have to, because I have to save more people. And I'm sure more, a lot of hairstylists could give you stories. Absolutely. That could tell you. It's very therapeutic. I've counseled. I've had marriage counseling mm -hmm. i've had relationship situation mm -hmm. we're not married but situation yeah, yeah. so we've been through i've been through a lot with that so thank you god that's that's why I'm, i do what i do absolutely it was given to me not i, I didn't choose it i chose you no did not choose it i was gonna be a doctor or a lawyer mm -hmm. or yeah i was that i was that smart Absolutely. Still yes, are. Yes, I was. Still are. Still are. I was going to be a lawyer. Doc Actually, I thought I was going to be a teacher or, or a doctor. Mm -hmm. That's what I did. And then I'm like, lawyer. I talk a lot. I was going to be a lawyer. Yeah. Could have been so. a lawyer. I talk a lot. Definitely could have. <laughs> Definitely could have. You ready for my next one? Yeah. Oh, we have more. Yeah, yeah. You said I asked you some I was questions. talking a lot so you didn't ask me. Yeah, anymore. that's what you Shoot. thought. All right, go ahead. Um, <laughs> who believed in you when you didn't believe in yourself? Ooh. All right, you're gonna have to ask me easier questions. That's, it's gonna. This is my last one. Who believed in you when you didn't believe in yourself? The problem with that question is, most people didn't believe in me. Mm. The problem with that question is that I had to believe in myself mm -hmm. because I create. Oh, why? Oh, I need <laughs> tissue. This is so. Oh. So, I think I'm who I am because nobody believed in me, mm. right? Because, ugh, darn, this is a hard question. I think I'm who I am because I believed in myself. I know what I'm going to be, mm -hmm. and I choose to be who mm -hmm. I am right now. Mm -hmm. And I say this a lot to people that... You choose your life and you could be who you are mm -hmm. because I choose <laughs> I choose to be who I am. Mm -hmm. Darn, I didn't think anybody would ever ask me that question. So nobody believed in me. Mm. People expected me to fail and waited for me to fail. Mm. So my motivation was that. Yeah. Not failing. Yeah. Showing a younger me that you, you don't have to fail. No, you don't. Failure is a choice. Yes, it is. <laughs> and you're getting me all deep. Failure is a choice, mm -hmm. and I choose not to fail. I choose to be successful because yeah. I am successful, and yeah. I will be successful. Yeah. And those are my choices. You know, I will be, you know, there's a, a saying I always say, and there's a, <laughs> a person that I looked up to that say this a lot. I will always be the lender, not the borrower. I'll mm. be, you know, so there are certain mm -hmm. things, the affirmations yes. and stuff. Yes. But nobody believed in me, mm. in my opinion. People be probably believe in me now. Mm -hmm. But growing up, I didn't have people that believe in me. Mm. Maybe my teachers. But after leaving, people expected me to fail. Mm. So that was my driving force. And I'll say this to people watching that. When people expect you to fail, prove them wrong. Absolutely. My purpose here is to prove the world wrong. Mm -hmm. Is to <laughs> you ever see like okay, so like for COVID, oh I have COVID, I'm supposed to da da da. No, mm -mm. no no no. I I'm gonna choose what I'm I'm gonna be. Absolutely. I'm gonna choose. So that was it. That was the last question. Right? Yes. <laughs> She's like, no, I have that. another one. That was it. <sighs> Oh my God, this messed me up. That was a hard question. It was worth it. You weren't you, you weren't did, supposed you to ask great. me that large question. You did great. Supposed to ask me some easy question, Mary. <laughs> yeah, but you know, and and I'm gonna ask you a question based on that. Mm -hmm. So for kids that feel like me, because mm -hmm. for me, I think that's that's different. Yeah. For you to feel like that and prove that, and we live in a society, and I have to touch on it because it's been in my soul. You know, I've worked with Miss Universe and those girls, and mm -hmm. I've seen where the suicide rate, and I did interview with kids that talk about killing themselves. Yeah. 
And I was going to leave this podcast. If you didn't ask me that question, I would not have asked you this question. Mm -hmm. What can we do to help kids mm -hmm. that feel like I'm not worthy? Not worthy. It's mm -hmm. not good enough. I'm mm -hmm. not good enough. Yeah. You know, I'm a living example that will tell you <laughs> when people think that, you know, you, you, I have beat all... I beat all the odds. Mm -hmm. I'm not supposed to be here. Mm. And for woman history, you know, my production people asked me what I want to do for woman history, and I didn't want to talk about it because I didn't want to be emotional, but there's stuff I need to do. Mm -hmm. You know, and thanks for bringing that out in me because I need to speak to female and have the conversation, you know, with mm -hmm. ovarian cancer, mm -hmm. uterine cancer. Yeah. There's a, yeah. a lot of stuff. People, young girls are out there dying. Yeah committing suicide yeah. because nobody believed in that. Yeah. And you asked me that question and I actually felt guilty because of the way I answered it, but it's my truth. It's your truth. So what I'll say is if there's a, a child or mm -hmm. somebody out there that feel like you're not worthy, you don't want to be here, look at me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say, look at me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you could leave a question at EOB Salon Talk Instagram or on our YouTube page. Just reach out to somebody. Yeah. Where can they reach you at? Um, you can find me at Color Me Marion, M A R I O N. Um, that's my Instagram or Dope, D O P E, Mom, M O M, Movement. Um, and that's my also my Instagram. That's my mom support group that I have. Um, I would say to answer your question, what to say to young people who feel like they're less than or not mm -hmm. worthy of still being on this earth. I think one thing that I've always been told, and I learned this from my godmother, is you got to love you more than anybody mm. else in this world. And I hence that I said this world, because love the Lord if, you, if that is where you are. Love mm -hmm. the Lord, that's important, absolutely. But love you more than you love anyone else in this world, because once you... If you love you, then you know how to love other people. And I also think that it's super important that you understand that people will doubt you, um, but you don't got to doubt yourself. And when we talked about the finances and working in education and people not making a lot of money, I make good money. I make good money because mm -hmm. I know my worth. I don't have a master's. Um, I, have, I do have a degree, but I make good money because I advocate for myself and I know my worth. I know what I can, how I can change she somebody's life. She just says she knew her worth. Know your worth. Know your worth. Yep, know your sorry. worth. And know that this world won't be the same without you. You know, when you when you leave this earth, you want to leave a legacy and, and know that you taking your life or deciding that it's not worth it anymore, that you're changing people's lives when you're gone in a way that you could have still been alive and Know your worth, love yourself more than anybody else in this world because then you're able to love on other people unconditionally and in a way that's real and in a way that's consistent and you change people's lives that way. So that's what I would say is just know your worth, love yourself more than anyone in this world um, and live, live. live. And, and forgive yourself. You do things, forgive yourself. Forgive yourself first. Forget about the other people. Forgive yourself for allowing that to happen to you. Forgive yourself for making that choice. Forgive yourself first, and when you forgive yourself, you're able to forgive other people. Don't let those people who are hurt you have space in your mind. Forgive you. Can I just say that's one of the most powerful things you've said all night. Thank you. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. Love yourself. Love yourself. And allow yourself to live. Yes. You know, um, when you asked me that question, I paused, and it was a silent pause because... You know, as a young girl, there were times I didn't love myself mm -hmm. either. Absolutely. There Me were too. times, you know, that I looked at certain scenarios and, oh, you're too round, you're too mm -hmm. fat, you're too mm -hmm. fair, you're mm -hmm. too this, and you're too dark, you're too this. But overall, I'm still beautiful regardless Absolutely. of what you think. Absolutely. You know, so you have to get to that point where you acknowledge that mm -hmm. and you accept that. Yes. Accept yourself for who you are. Absolutely. Is what I learned from what you just said. But I want to thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. But before I go, I want to ask you this. Can you tell me something about your foundation? Because you do have yes. a foundation. Yeah. What does it do? Um, Dope Moms Movement. So Dope stands for driven, optimistic, positive, and empowering. And 
It's a mom movement. And when I had Timothy, you know, I said I had preeclampsia, which is high blood pressure when you're pregnant. It really, long story short, the baby's salty. It's making you salty and it can kill you. That's really what preeclampsia is. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, um, and I also had postpartum depression when I had mm. Timothy. And I didn't know. I didn't know I had postpartum depression. My mom called me one day and she said, Marion, when's the last time you've been outside? I was like 17 days ago. Yeah, we spoke about it. Right? And then she was like, what? I was like, yeah, 17 days ago. What, what's the problem? She was like, you have to go outside. And I hung up on her. I was like, no, I don't. And then she called my husband. Why Mary not going outside? And he was like, I tried. She doesn't want to go. I don't know what to do. And secretly, they formed this village that made sure I was okay. They came and checked on me. They watched the baby. They allowed me to do whatever I needed to do in order to get myself together. Um, and I said to myself, if I am a mother with a husband, with a mother, with sisters, with, you know, all these people who are around me and support. I'm struggling, mm -hmm. all the support, what's going on with all these other moms who don't have this support? Mm -hmm. They need a support group. And Dope Mom Movement is that support group. We allow moms to come together to talk and share of all different walks of life to come together and just talk about what it is to be a mom and to get re-energized of the person that you were prior to being this mother. How can they reach you? Because there's a lot of mom out there that Absolutely. needs to... Absolutely. You can um, follow me on Dope Moms Movement on Instagram. You'll see that we'll have different programs. Now that the pandemic is allowing us to come out and have more programs, we're going to have more programs. We do so many different things. We do different um, restorative circles, and we have birthday parties for moms. You know how many moms throw birthday parties for their children but never had a birthday party for themselves? We literally, for my birthday two years ago... And to celebrate my birthday, I threw a birthday party for other moms to come to. And no children were allowed, but it was kid-themed. And you got to celebrate, and we sang happy birthday to every woman in that room. Because beautiful. I want them to experience having That's their beautiful. own birthday. So can I come? I'm not a mom. But Absolutely, because you're a product of a mother. So we have that part. We have people who are products of mothers yes, who are great. Yes. So, yes, so I'll come welcome. and represent my mothers. Absolutely. I have many mothers. Yes. yes. Absolutely. So please, um, we have to empower our moms and make sure that they're right. So.